Yo, what's up? This is Real Sankara Hours bonus episode, after hours portion. Um, it is February 21st slash 22nd, 2021. Um, man, February flew, flew the fuck by. Yeah, yeah, uh. this, this is a, probably our, well, no, next week will be our last Black History Month. Uh, Seriously? Wow. Episode. Yeah, probably. Um, so, yeah, uh, well, this is um, Adam. Um, well, thank you to our, well, first of all, thank you to our lovely patrons. Thank you guys for supporting us. This is a patron-only episode. But yeah, this is Adam Hudson, um, and you can follow us at Sankara Hours on Twitter. Tell your friends about it um, so they can be uh, just as cool as you are. Um, yeah. Our lovely patrons and cadre members, uh, members of the support network. Um, so yeah, yeah, we have a... We have a guest. Uh, this is this is Peter, and joining us is our, I guess, RSH Texas correspondent, uh, Razik Brown. Um, why don't you tell the people a little bit about yourself? I am Razik Brown. I am a creative journalist for Philanthro Lab, which is a technology company out here in Texas, and I am also a uh, urban naturalist. I have a little small urban farm where I raise. Uh, Goats and chickens out here. The, go- in, the goats uh, Fort and chickens Worth. are fine. Don't worry. Yes, the goat. My, our goats and chickens are, are are great. They we have a shed and for them and blankets and they they survived the yeah. weather. Yeah, and speaking of weather, yeah, we are talking about uh, yeah Texas and I mean, well, I'm sure most of our listeners are going to know, but just to like kind of ground ourselves, like yeah, like uh, there's a big polar vortex that um scientists have all said that is definitely a result of climate change and um melting of the polar ice caps which is driving down like you know the the arctic cold and creating this polar vortex and um yeah like it's it's hit texas uh very hard um so hard that uh senator ted cruz you know decided to leave texas to go to cancun because you know daughters daughters are like you know, complain about the role which, of black which guys. is not which is not true. He just you know loves what amazing statesman that he is. He decided to blame it all on his kids. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then he you know got caught and then he flew right back. And uh, so yeah. So yeah. This is this is just a, a Texas episode, and we're we're really happy to have Razik on just to uh, especially somebody who's on the ground in Texas and can give um. Uh, people and understanding because there there have been some pretty uh, smug and dismissive hot takes about texas from you know certain sectors of uh you know online media and discourse and it's good to have somebody who's actually on the ground to give us some real perspective that's not you know (laughs) yeah 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 well you know don't believe everything you see online right yeah right (laughs) right unless it's from us but yeah, why don't you why don't you give a kind of sit rep of uh, you know your neighborhood and kind of the people here, communities, and how everyone's doing? So, well, my personal community is actually doing okay. Uh, I live um, in Fort Worth Southside, and I actually have the great fortune to have lived live directly next to like a, a, a 
a fire station. So because they're critical infrastructure, uh, my electricity never went out, but my I live in a 100-year-old house, and so that my pipes froze, um, and that was a little scary, but thankfully I didn't have any bursts or leaks like a lot of texts my friends on, on the internet and a lot of other Texans have had. So as far as the situation report goes, um, I think the main problem that I think uh, the just overall enchilada here is that um, in Texas, power providers, um, they get to make money by selling power to people, but like they Good aren't... Good old capitalism. They aren't, requ- <laughs> they aren't required to, you know... They aren't required to provide power to people, if that makes sense. So they don't have to um, face any penalties when, you know, they fail to deliver um, electricity to people, especially during things like, uh, you know, uh, once in once every hundred years uh, blizzard. Um, and so what really happened here is um, ERCOT, which is the um, basically it's the board that uh, runs our weird independent um electrical grid because texas 98 percent of texas is not connected to the uh national grid or any other grid yeah yeah except you said uh el paso except el paso so when i said 98 percent of texas uh el paso gets their electricity their grid is connected to the mexican grid so they never lost Mm. power Ah. at all and I believe there are a couple cities um, that border Oklahoma that also um, shared Oklahoma's power grid, and they had the exact same, um, uh, what do you call mm. it, um, blizzard, and they also didn't lose power. Right. It is, um, and so, because the thing is, the reason is, is cities, and so part of our sort of decentralized Wild West system is, is that cities can decide to connect to different, um, to connect their grid to other states' grids if they want to, um, but uh, the state uh, doesn't require it. Um, so that's what happened, is that ERCOT wasn't um, really taking care of looking after our grid. They didn't winterize their um, oil, most of their uh, gas-producing electrical plants, and so very simply, all their equipment froze. And... Um, you know, because you know, weatherization is also optional. Um, there, so they did. They chose. They optioned not to do it because it was cheaper. Um, and so, uh, when the blizzard came, there were just you know a lot of places that were just not without um, power. Mm. Yeah, and and also uh, just uh, ERCOT. What it stands for is um, Electric Reliability Council of Texas, and. They surely are living up to the name reliability uh, in their in their name. This yeah. sounds like it, right? Like they're, they're reliable, ish. Reliably yeah. profitable. Yes, reliably profitable is right. So some mm-hmm. so I think a lot of people might have a hard time understanding why would the average Texan sign up for a system like this right mm, why would yeah. we choose to not be connected to the rest of the national power grid is it because we all believe we're john wayne cowboys or we all are just in love with the gas industry um it's a very neoliberal system in the sense that one of the benefits that comes from um this system is that um People can change electric companies um, pretty quickly, and there are a lot of these smaller electric companies that um, basically provide wholesale prices 
to individual consumers. And so um, something that happens a lot here in the state is that you'll have someone um, sign up for um, an electric um, service. They'll sign up for electric service and they'll get something like free nights and weekends and an incredibly low rate for the first year. And then um, if they cancel their contract before the year is up, they just switch over to another um, company and they, they continue to get very uh, cheap electricity that way. But one of the downsides to that is, so those wholesalers, right, because they couldn't, um, because they couldn't, um, they, they're actual, just, they're not actual electric companies. They don't actually provide, they're not power plants. Um, when ERCOT jacked up all their prices, those wholesale prices went up as well, as well. Um, and so you, this is how you ended up with some people that had things like, you know, thousand, ten thousand dollar bills because these middlemen, they can buy power from a lot of places from, um, they can buy power from a lot of places. Um, but because of this variable energy pricing, um, it really screwed over a lot of, uh, a lot of home, a lot of, uh, homeowners. Yeah, it does seem very much that this is kind of the neoliberal fantasy of how to provide any other uh, public utility or really anything. And it, yeah, part of it is uh, having as many middlemen and, uh, you know, I mean, because really the point of neoliberalism is for people and all their little and all their friends to get rich. Uh, But also sort of having it as lean as possible. It's the same problem with, you know, the supply chain of things like toilet paper uh, is like the concept of lean production where, you know, normally like a power grid that is regulated and understood as a public utility, they have, you know, all these reserves and redundancies and backup systems such that when power goes out somewhere, uh, then, you know, they can just reroute the extra power to there and so people yep. don't have blackouts. But but uh, because we have this decentralized system in the, in Texas, right, when yeah. a bunch of these smaller plants, because um, some, some had winterized, some didn't winterize, some, you know, it really was because they were kind of just all over the place, you didn't have a situation where you had someone on the back end that could say, all right, shut off all these or put all the power into here into this part of the grid they're just there's a, there isn't that kind of uniformity here right um, and yeah and to provide uh to add on to that like i'm looking at uh, th- uh a map a couple maps of uh the united states electrical grid and then i'm also looking at one of it's north american so um and I can put put these maps in the show notes just just to kind of give people a visual to to help explain a lot of this. So like California, the entire West Coast, uh, and then including uh, New Mexico, Colorado, like Montana, Idaho, and, and all those states are part of like the, the uh, like a kind of like a Western grid. The, um, then there's one for um, pretty much like most of the American South. Then there's one for like the Northeast, and um, but then if you look at Texas, it's just like its own little uh, kind of island surrounded by like these different integrated regional electrical grids. But there are like to add to your point, Rizik, like there are parts of Texas. I'm looking at this map. Uh, like one part of Texas is kind of like linked up with 
Louisiana's grid, and that's connected with the rest of the American South. And then I see the one like kind of bleeding into Oklahoma, and then there's like another one that's like the very, very uh, uh, western tip of Texas that is linked up with the West Coast grid, which is where California is included. And I wanted to mention that because, like, you know, uh, as someone who lives in California, we've been dealing with wildfires for the past couple of years, and um, I guess, like, the equivalent for, uh, well, ERCOT, yeah, it's like its own thing, but the PG&E really has, like, uh, a monopoly over um, California's state electricity, but, um, uh, and and the wildfires, like, because of PG&E hasn't been uh, maintaining the state grid, um, it's led to uh, sparks of uh, wildfires, particularly for dry vegetation, which is also linked to climate change because of uh, drought. But one thing I, I noticed is kind of sort of like one thing I'm interested in, especially with this interview, is just comparing notes between the situation in Texas and the situation in California. Like I think um, uh, was a little bit different, especially with the uh, grid. Like there were blackouts in California, but I don't think to the, to the extent of Texas because California still linked up with like a regional and national um electrical grid whereas like a huge chunks of texas are not just by looking at that map and here's the thing that a lot of people i think you're right and here's the thing a lot of people don't understand though is that texas not being connected to the other grids even though that would have definitely helped and would have been you know would have saved us all a lot of headache um it really was a preparedness problem because like, and I Mm. think that that's the thing that a lot of, Mm -hmm. and this is why like a lot of Texas leftists and, you know, Mm. even the Democrats are really trying to hammer home why we should kind of unelect Republicans because like one of the other things that happened was, is that like, because Texans, we in in the state, because we pull gas to run our power stations literally right out of the ground, we Mm -hmm. didn't have stores of gas when all the equipment froze right and that's yeah. and yeah just to add because that's what you said is just really important because like so far like right now in the discourse like the conservative media like fox news and wall street journal are blaming renewable energy but what's what's already like clear is that what led up to this is that the the natural gas and oil pipelines literally froze and so that's what led to that to your point like was precipitated the 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 blackouts and so yeah right yeah the right wing they're trying to make it and it was it's amazing like how quickly they got their talking points out because they were trying to say like (laughs) this is the result of uh the green new deal and renewable energy well well they they knew how fucked they were at the moment because that's the whole thing about the entire system these days is that it's so rick and that's what the pandemic revealed is that everything is so rickety that because under the guise of efficiency, like you said, like, oh, why, why should why should we just have, you know, gas just like hanging around, you know, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's not making anyone any money to you have to make everything as lean and efficient as possible. So but all yeah. but what that really means is that the slightest interruption can cause a disaster. And it's a good example of how, uh, you know, the things aren't just natural disasters like they're social disasters. I mean, Katrina was also a great example of this, mm-hmm. where like the devastation is many in many parts because of intentional disinvestment. 
and under an underinvestment precisely because it's uh, it, it's not profitable or, you know, the political dysfunction or a number of reasons or, you know, people too many hands, too many hands are in too many pockets. And, and so and, oh, I'm sorry, I don't want to I'm sorry, I don't want to. I'm sorry. To oh, no, that, I, that was the end of my point. Go oh, and, and here's the thing is that like th- what sucks about this is the system this particular system, yes, it failed a lot of people, human beings, but it is working as designed. Because uh-huh. Jerry Jones made a killing this week because yep. his money yeah, is in natural gas. You have to remember that a lot of people, a lot of companies made the choice to just shut down. De- Some of them had, you know, their plants froze. Some companies had to shut down their plants so they wouldn't explode, right? And so now, the demand for electricity is high. So they're charging out the nose for it. And yeah. when, you know, you ask these people, is this right? They'll go, no, but, you know, the system's working the way it's supposed to. <laughs> yeah. And there's a lot of, you know, one of the things that I'm trying to get a lot of Texans to remember as we move forward is that there were companies that chose to turn the power off because it would have cost them too much money to stay on during the um, during the blizzard. And so there are rich people that just made the decision to just let people die as they may <laughs> because of money. And that's, you know, that's one of the things that, you know, one of the reasons I think more Texans need to get a little bit um, um, on board for if not nationalization or getting into yeah. the rest of the grid, then we have to elect people because that's the thing is our ERCOT is like run sort of by the governor. Then we have to elect people that are like, yeah, we need um, independent standards that are up to snuff with the national standards. Um, and, you know, um, I heard, you know, I, I'm sorry, I don't want to talk too much, but I, I, I one of the we had talked. You're about the guest. You can talk as much as you want. We'd we'd uh, we'd talked about this a little bit earlier about sort of internet um, per uh, perceptions. Oh, actually, my uh, girlfriend actually wanted me to tell you all this uh, story. So my girlfriend, mm. she works for an evil giant company that will remain nameless. That is um, located in the Galleria, which is a giant, which is a big sort of shopping mall esque commercial complex in Dallas on the northwest north northwest side of dallas and it was one of those places that's light stayed on almost the entire time that the power that the snow was out and you have to remember if i don't know you probably haven't seen these pictures but this was a meme going around dallas where people were taking pictures of the city all around texas people were taking pictures of city skylines where you know lights were on in empty buildings and all over empty buildings in the skyline but like people were out didn't have power in their house and so like the galleria got a bomb threat um while uh while when they got their almost as soon as they got their power turned back on they had, uh, sent out an email to all their employees hey we've got power back on come on back to work and then, <laughs> then the next day they were like uh no don't come into work we got a bomb threat for the fbi to let us know and i was like yeah that was because wow. someone saw those lights on and was like fuck it 
Wow. I don't know if you, I can cuss on this podcast. No, yeah. no, no. Uh, cussing is hundred a thousand percent welcome and encouraged on this podcast. <laughs> uh, I actually like. I, I want to add like because there's this um as we're talking about Grizz, there's 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 a good article in the New York Times called uh, "A Glimpse of America's Future: Climate Change Means Trouble for Power Grids." And I, I want to read um uh like a couple. Uh, sentences that I think apply to what we're talking about. So <clears throat> we're talking about the, the current crisis in Texas. The crisis sounded an alarm for power systems throughout the country. Electric grids can be engineered to handle a wide range of severe conditions as long as grid operators can reliably, can reliably predict the dangers ahead. But as climate change accelerates, many electric grids will face extreme weather events that go far beyond the historical conditions those systems were designed for, putting them at risk of catastrophic failure. While scientists are still analyzing what role human-caused climate change may have played in this week's winter storms, it is clear that global warming poses a barrage of additional threats to power systems nationwide, including fiercer heat waves and water shortages. Measures that could help make electric grids more robust, such as fortifying power plants against extreme weather or installing more backup power sources, is kind of what you're getting at, uh, Razik, could prove expensive. But as Texas shows, blackouts, blackouts can be extremely costly too. An expert said unless grid planners start planning for increasingly wild and unpredictable climate conditions, grid failures will happen again and again. And this kind of planning... Uh, seems like, you know, you can't just rely on uh, states and fiefdoms to do it. It seems like this kind of planning, because it's nationwide, requires, uh, what's that word? Oh, yeah, nationalization, or, oh, the other dirty word, um, central planning, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and that was, that was in, to compare to California, like, when it came to the the wildfires and the and PG&E, like, uh, progressives here were calling for, have been calling for, basically like putting pg&e under state control but gavin newsom he he's like been pissed at pg&e but he hasn't really done it because you know again like when you're talking about um energy companies and politics well yeah like they have a lot of financial control over uh local and state uh, uh political systems so it, it seems like based on what you're saying Rizik, like not just in terms financial of, oh i'm sorry I, I don't i'm sorry i don't want to interrupt far, yeah. uh, but but yeah it's just it seems like that seems like what seems to be at play here in texas but yeah go ahead and go yeah ahead. not not just financial control they have like as we can see they have literal physical control before this conference really started we you talked you'd spoken a little bit about enron enron was you know doing rolling blackouts as well to control mm -hmm. costs this isn't a new thing right. right and just to um clarify yeah so enron like there were rolling blackouts here in california because i remember this like i was just uh, this is back in uh, 2000 and uh yeah enron was like w very much like pushing for uh deregulating um california's uh um, electrical grid but it caused such a scandal that like basically enron just got screwed and so it, it, it got scaled back but so yeah like the, what razik is saying like there's uh there's precedent for for this kind of stuff yeah you've got and not only is there precedent you've got these companies that can tell a governor oh you want to make us do xyz well we'll just turn off the power yeah to this city exactly what are yeah, you gonna do about it that was yeah. very, very 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 similar dynamic with enron in 2000 um, right but they were but they were what they did is like they were blaming 
uh, Californians were using too much power. But actually, what was going on is like, like basically, there was uh, Enron was like manipulating um, how much energy they were going to provide, just basically to make a lot of money. That's and, yeah. Pre- and I won't be surprised when when similar stories come out of Texas when we find out that you know. They turned off power to save a plant when they could have kept it on to save some money, you know, but that, you know, I, I just, I, I wanted to, I want to touch on something else you brought up a little bit earlier is that their internet, you know, the sort of the internet, there are a lot of stories going on. You've got people from on the left, on the left coast being yeah. like, oh, dumb Texans, whatever. And then you've got people in Texas saying, well, you know, at least we're not looting like in other places. And, you know, the, the thing that I'm trying to like, impress upon everyone is like look if kaiju were real you know kaiju like you know godzilla king kong whatever if they were real america would be royally fucked because it's clear we like Mm -hmm. we have kaiju attacking all of our major cities you know you go godzilla's coming up on the northeast flooding all of you know causing sandy we've got another you know giant monster causing katrina got king Ghidorah breathing all the fire up and down the west coast and mothra just did a flyby over texas right and it's Mm -hmm. just it's so clear we are not prepared to fight any of these monsters and in fact when i look at all this stuff online it's like it's like i said the 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 thing i told people online i was just like you know i'm happy these monsters don't exist because if they really did exist people in new york would be like well if you don't want to well if you don't want to die in a kaiju accident then don't live by the water and like people in texas would be like oh well i'm prepared for mothra i've got an ar-15 no we you know obviously if you've seen you know that movie um uh with the giant robot we need giant robots we need to come together like in that movie with the giant ro- with pacific rim so we can oh. fight these giant <laughs> monsters <laughs> yeah yeah we're good yeah we are gonna need some mechs for uh oh, for, yeah. for the climate catastrophe i mean that's that's the kind of uh national infrastructure rejuvenation we need, yes and you yeah. need a, you you can't you need a national infrastructure to build mechs to fight the kaiju that you yeah can't, not each state can have its own robot that's just not gonna work and we basically need like a new like sort of manhattan project to kind of build that basically like like we instead of like for nu- nuclear bombs we need we need a manhattan project s thing but you know uh that again it's going to require those dirty words like nationalization and uh central planning but yeah. hey look it's like that's the only kind of coordination you're going to require to take care of these multiple crises at once yeah and, and i want to say like for all the smug liberals who are like haha texas got what it deserved or whatever i mean i obviously this is still in the initial aftermath but you really think someone like beto or rourke is gonna actually run much less attempt to follow through on nationalizing Texas's power grid. Like none of none of the dipshit Democrats that get thrown up there that are all like ex CIA people or whatever, they're not going <laughs> to do anything like that. And so that's why you sort of, I mean, aside from the obvious uh, point of like, yeah, there's a lot. There, one of the reasons Republicans are so powerful is because of all the voter suppression. But also like the de- like the idea that this could be solved if we just elected Democrats. It's just absurd if you think about the actually existing Democratic Party. Mm-hmm. There's that. There, there's that. And there's this also this other prevailing idea, again, online, which is dumb. It's a dumb place online. Um, mm-hmm. 
there's this prevailing idea that Czechs, Texans chose this, right? Like, yeah. we chose yeah. Yeah, to live that's, under mm-hmm. this insane system. No, 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 no. Like, I, I, let, let, let me rephrase. Like, as Peter pointed out, there is voter suppression, but a lot of people don't know that Texas is a majority-minority state, right? Like, it's not the average... The average black dude in Fort Worth or Dallas, the average, you know, Mexican in San Antonio is not, you know, super excited that a bunch of like a cabal of like oil industrialists run our our uh, like electrical grid. Right. This is Mm -hmm. these are we are gerrymandered to death here almost. Um, that's the only reason Ted Cruz can even exist as a politician in this state. And it didn't even used to always be like that. And I, I really want to get that out to some of you. I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to say that Texas has been like a blue haven, you know, or anything, you know, no, that it's always been. A- it, yeah, it would trade off. I mean, Lyndon Johnson, of course. Right. And right. Uh, what's it? Ann yeah. Richards. Right. Wasn't she the last Democratic Ann Richards governor? Was, the, was the last Democratic governor. And then we had George Bush. And then after 9-11, it kind of, he became president and, you know, all of that, it, it became, you know, solid. And, then, and then all the Cowboys came up. Yeah. And I mean, <laughs> again, even saying that the Cowboys came up is right. really, they got, they we really got into, you know, some serious gerrymandering in Texas to yeah. the point that, you know, we've got crazy looking districts here because again, you know, majority minority population is like 36, 30 something percent Latino, like 11, 11 to 15 percent black or something. Last time I checked, you know, yeah. it's we've had a large Asian population and they all vote blue. I mean, you know, not all of them, but like majority votes blue. And but that's not what our if you look at a voting map, that's not what it, that our politics don't reflect the people. Here. yeah and and yeah speaking of like so like majority non-white like california's long for a long time i think i, I forgot when it started but i mean look, even california wasn't always like um a blue state like california hit ronald reagan came out of here yeah. right as he was Ron- governor <laughs> yeah he was go- the governor. lapd is there <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, uh, oh hey o- oakland police department's here let's not forget about that like so um uh, but but uh, the demographics, like, you know, over time have changed in California. And, and also, it just in terms of, like, where California is located, it's um, similar to Texas in that California borders Mexico. But because California is on the Pacific coast, there's always been, like, uh, you know, uh, uh, Asian Americans, like Filipinos, J- uh, Japanese, Chinese uh, people who, who've been living some of them have been living in California since like the 1800s, especially with the Transcontinental Continental Railroad, and a lot of Chinese, like you know, exploited laborers were used. So, um, California, similar to Texas, is 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 a majority non-white state, and, so, and that's what I find interesting is that, because like, I know like because of California's demographics, it, it, I would say like it's, it's that's what makes it like a solidly uh, Democrat um democratic party yeah. run state it's just the difference is that like uh the the democratic party apparatus in california in terms of its actual ideology and practices is, is pretty conservative i mean hence somebody like comma freaking harris right yeah right. so uh you know so so yeah she's a democrat but like honestly Calif- kamala harris i would say she's a good representation of like the average california democrat 
Like she's she and so like um it's interesting cuz in what you're talking about like cuz that, that that makes sense cuz I was well as wondering like you know Texas being like a majority non-white state but solidly red it seems like the only way that can happen is with like voter suppression like yeah. well, voter suppression and also you have to remember the the brown and black people the the non-white folks live in very specific areas right texas is a huge like california like tech i call texas california's evil twin um like even mm-hmm. we like you know reflecting we are like a lot, little very not a lot of people know this uh texas is a chinese population especially in houston is about or no we have a huge vietnamese population my girlfriend's saying vietnam but we also have a huge chinese population that's been there for about 100 years been coming in and out of the gulf 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 port since since you know asians have been going to new orleans but again like Texas also likes to suppress how brown it is as well in its own narratives about itself. So that's also, oh, so yeah. that's mm, yeah, also understandable. Yeah, yeah. Um, Cal- <laughs> California doesn't re- – they love like uh, – California is like sort of like the hippie, liberal, multiculturalism. Yeah. Like that's the narrative of California. Yeah, so. though that's very – I mean that really didn't even exist until the 60s. I mean California mm-hmm, up until mm-hmm. the 60s was not – was not like the California settler bourgeoisie is not inherently – more progressive than the Texas bourgeoisie. Nope. What mm-hmm. the? But one of the things that did make California more progressive of a state was it had a much stronger and much more militant labor movement. Yeah. That that you know helped force it to be that because I mean California is where they invented suburban mass incarceration and Texas and you know most of the South is so you know cartoonishly anti-union that there isn't that kind of mobilizational capacity but the other thing is that in california they knew how to like basically develop the brokerage class of uh you know of black and brown communities whereas as far as i can tell and you're welcome to correct me like the ruling class in texas is still like pure settler anglo like like the all the alamo and all that stuff and all it's so complicated i don't want to interrupt it's yes it's i i yes Austin is white and Austin is the capital city and you know that's why whenever people tell me you know if you ever whenever people outside of Texas like to tell Texans how cool Austin is everyone out who doesn't live there is just like yeah whatever it's just like it's it's a white (laughs) it's it's the white capital college town um and Mm. like that pushes all the black and brown people that live there out of it um Oh, you know. that sounds like uh, parts of Berkeley and Oakland. That's what it sounds yeah, like in, yeah. some, in some ways. Not uh, all the ways. But. And we trade a lot of people, you know, Texas and California. See, we send all our repressed um, liberals who live here to California to become actors, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So yep, we, yep, there are yep. a lot of Texans in California doing living their liberal dreams. And then the Californians who decide that Orange County is too expensive move here. And, and yeah. especially especially the Bay Area, like because of how expensive the standard of living is here in California, because of like um, just you know housing prices. Like if this is actually like there's there's data on this. Like there's a, a, a sort of an exodus of a lot of Californians, particularly from the Bay Area, going to Texas. Like Texas, like yes, a, yeah. So but, and I've noticed like that's in in some of the I guess more conservative 
like people who talk who live in Texas and talk about, they're like, oh, we don't like these fucking liberal Californians coming to Texas. Like I've, I've I wish it that. was the liberal Californians. Oh no, yeah, Texas, no, but it's not. It's, it's no, actually... it's not. I I know because I know the people who are moving. Like these are like ex tech people. Like they're, yeah, they're not like the really liberal types, but the the sort of conservative like you types Texans are like. They, they, that's like their narrative but yeah you're right it's not but a, a lot of people don't know that the majority of the neocons in this state the people that you hear slathering saying really crazy conservative nonsense rarely are they actually from here oh yeah because um, it's it's their like little right-wing fantasy land so they don't have an actual accountability to a community right yeah it's know, all the Ted Cruz is from fucking canada Right, like, right. Like, Tucker is from Canada. George Bush is from fucking Connecticut. Like, Uh they there's a problem we have in Texas that like the people who come here are often bad conservatives or bad liberals that just want to make more money. So that like we can't really build a like that's we would hope that Texas would become more liberal as more people come here, but you actually find that actual Texans that live here tend to be more liberal centrist than the Republicans that move here. Like if you, even Mm. the border wall, for example, and I mean, this is not, this is a little off topic, but no one that lived on the fucking border in Texas supported the border. Oh yeah. Those are a bunch of motherfuckers from New Jersey that thought this was a good idea. Like, Mm. but no one Mm. here wanted that shit. Right. Yeah. Um, Yeah. McAllen is like 80% Mexican or something. Right. Like all those border towns depend on Mexico. El Paso depends on Mexico for electricity. Right. People from Texas understand that we have a fucking relationship with Mexico and, that and is hundreds of years old and is like never going to go away. <laughs> like the Tejanos, right? There's like a strong Tejano identity. Like, like oh, yeah. you know, Mexican-Americans I mean, who are like, you know, have been in Texas for like a long time, even before Texas was like part of the the United States. Yeah, it does seem like weird. Like, why the, like, why would you, like, given just the history of like, the relationship between Texas and Mexico, Mexico, like, why the fuck, like, with people who've been living in that environment for a long time, like, why would they want a fucking wall? Like, that, no, yeah, that doesn't make any about, sense. The joke about the wall used to be that Donald Trump was building it to keep us in, right? Because huh. me- because white people in this in Texas, when white people get old, they move to Mexico and they live cheaply. Wait, <laughs> wait, let me, like, let me, let me ask you this, like, as uh, somebody who lives in Texas, is the show King of the Hill is that accurate? Actually, King of the Hill is super accurate. It's based on um, my area of the suburban, the suburban parts of Dallas and Fort Worth. Garlington mm. is based. The, there's a town called Garland, and there's a town called Arlington. Those are in ah. the suburbs of Dallas and Fort Worth. And that so King of the Hill is basically about the no man's land between my town and da- my city in Dallas. And selling propane and propane accessories. Yep, it's 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 people are. But here's the thing, right? Mm. Um, using King of the Hill as an example, um, what's his name? Uh, the main character, his name, why is Hank, it? Hank, Hank Hill. Hank Hill. Yeah. Hank Hill represents a lot of the average Texan, and Hank Hill isn't a shithead, right? Yeah, like, right. Hank yeah, Hill yeah. isn't a shithead. You can, like, explain to Hank Hill why we need a national power grid or a, or a standard power grid, and he will understand that, right? And... But and this is the last point I want to talk, and I think a lot of people don't understand how bad the media 
the media echo chamber of Texas is and like yeah. that yeah that right wing representation of itself like when new yorkers talk about how shitty texans are the people of Te- the red republican um politicians love that shit because it keeps selling the idea that there are no leftists here there are no people that want a better texas for texans here right it yeah, sells yeah. this idea that we're all a bunch of like white loving cowboy whatever whatever and most texans want to move away not, i don't want to say move away from that that vision of texas but like that's never what texas actually yeah. was you, you know, know that's yeah. always been the colonial vision of texas and, and to add on that especially like someone who's a freelance journalist like um especially when it comes to the the coastal elite like well coastal media like they're definitely because like when we're talking about media as an industry when it comes to news and reporting the center of it is mostly washington dc and definitely new york city like that's where mm-hmm. like all the journalists and all the talking heads are all in new york city and washington dc whereas for entertainment that's california that specifically southern california hollywood because like even when it comes to california like northern california and southern california like are kind of a little bit different cultures so um it really is like i'm from northern california even going down to socal it's like yeah it's a little different because uh like all the entertainment like literally global entertainment is yeah it comes from there yeah it comes from there and then when it comes to news and reporting that's all new york city and washington dc and i mentioned that because like you know even some californians and something i guess is some dumb like intramedia beast but sometimes like you know new yorkers like they don't really um truly uh understand the intricacies of california but there definitely is like i would say a new york dc centered perspective when it particularly with news media so yeah anything outside of like the dc and new york city bubble um a lot of times news reporters uh get get that wrong or just leave, 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 leave a lot out like especially the, the new york city and dc bubble yeah, well, they they hate everything that is not their vacation home or New York City, and oh, sorry, I don't. Oh, and and so you know, growing up in the Midwest, I identify that. But I do find I do find Texas to be interesting in the sense of it is actually pretty developed as as an economy. Like it is pretty well developed. Uh, it's not like other red states, which are like very underdeveloped. And that's why they can kind of sell the very uh, right wing uh, just, you know, yeah, there's no unions, there's no public infrastructure, there's no because there's no income tax. And so, yes, business come here, you can have your old shitty McMansion for very cheap. And that's how we have to attract any kind of economic development is just poaching it from other places. But so uh, much of that is yeah. a lie, Peter, and right. I, I, I really hate it. I, I don't want to say hit, oh. but like I, so much of that is a lie because there. Mm. I like to call it the AM Texas FM Texas mythology, right? And I'll give mm. you an example regarding this, even this winter storm, right? Mm-hmm. So when Greg Abbott gets on Dallas on WFAA to talk about why the winter storm is happening. He uses real words and real facts. He's like, oh, the the fucking gas froze. Um, 
ERCOT, they problems. You know, he, he uses real words and explains like a like a like an adult to adult human beings, right? That's what he says when he gets on WFAA Dallas when he talks to the major news stations in Texas. But what does he say when he gets on fucking Fox News? Oh, the windmills froze, right? And mm-hmm. that kind of that even that little news story kind of in kind of encapsulates my frustration i think a lot of texans frustration with the sort of national conversation with texas and even our own politicians and how they use that national conversation again to weaponize it against texans themselves right like local like basically like local texans like regular everyday local texans, right no right? yeah yeah greg abbott will come out here and tell regular everyday texans the people that vote for him the truth right the a the the fm texas the people that run dallas the people the liberals that run the cities the liberals and leftists that run the cities that bring in the money right that bring in the money for texas that make it a not like other parts of the south right right so they so they tell us the truth but then they know that there's this whole media ecosphere that's like part of Fox News and Alex Jones and yeah. all that mm-hmm. shit where they can lie their ass off to these kind of racist peddlers because that's mostly what they are. And then mm-hmm. they'll streamline that back into some, you know, mega church pastor in small town who will then, you know, spread that message to their congregation, which will ensure that they get elected. Right. Um, yeah, that makes yeah, and, and I think it sounds like it's also connected to like what I was saying earlier about how quickly the right wing media was able to turn this and blame it on, uh, and it like blaming green energy. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. like that's a, it. Sounds like the way you mapped that out, like that kind of media that like local state media ecosystem, how it feeds into the national media ecosystem, like. It seems like that's how they were able to um, uh, quickly get out that narrative. Like, because it was pretty, I was pretty stunned how quick it was that they were like the talking points seemed to be developed like on the fly wow. and it spread like wildfire. Like, well, well quickly. Yeah. the people high, on the highest up, they know, they know more. This shit is happening, and they know, like, they're like you know the people highest up in the Republican Party, they can't be idiots, and so they understand like, oh shit. Our entire economic model is collapsing, but we cannot admit that. So, you know, we'll just accuse the other side of, do- of you know, the thing that we're doing, classic political tactic. You but, know what's scarier, Peter? I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, I mean, the other dilemma is that sort of, you know, the the white set, the white settler, petty bourgeois sort of social contract mythos that is the base. That was the basis for all of American politics and still is for the Republican Party is eroding. And that does have political consequences. And this is when people talk about, you know, de- demographics equals destiny. I mean, that's not a, you People shouldn't devolve into magical thinking. But on some level, the base of the Republican Party is eroding. And specifically, it's eroding to like Texas is the stronghold. That's like the last fortress for the Republicans to ever in in the electoral college system to ever be able to win a national election is they have they cannot get rid of texas so as everything changes like it i mean it is a party of white minority rule is it not 
it is a party of white minority rule in the in in the state of Texas, and that's why I try to I try to emphasize to my leftist friends, you know, the fight is going to happen in the South. You want to break you want to break the stranglehold on the right. You're you're gonna have to bring it. You have to bring that fight to the South, and you know, eventually that fight the that last battle is really going to happen in Texas. And so one of the things that you were talking about was that media ecosystem. And what's really scary to me is I wish it was just the like oligarchs at the top who sent out that message, right? But what mm-hmm. it is is you have this more people listen to Alex Jones, right? Yeah. Then like he has like a million followers or something like that. A huge a lot of people in Texas listen to that man, right? Alex Jones has his own vested interest in convincing his um, his fans that the globalists are the reason that they don't have power so he can sell his brain pills and his like fart wipes or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. And so what what will happen is, is that Alex Jones starts saying the propaganda so he can feed his stupid company and the Republicans who stay connected to that because they need they don't want to get primaried, right? The people that need to listen to that will go, ah, the crazies are saying that, you know, it's the windmills and the globalists. So then we just have to agree with them obliquely, right? And that then that will get that will become the new populist message that's out there. Right. And so I, it's already happened here where like, you know, it wasn't that people were watching Fox News and Greg Abbott telling them that the windmills froze. But I was like already, you know, you can look on your Facebook and on a Texas in Texas, you can look on people's Facebooks and find folks that are saying, well, you know, this is part of the plan. This is part of the scheme. This is part of the lockdown. This is part of the pandemic. And you're like, pandemic. The plant, yeah, all of that, and and that's you know, it's it's really frustrating, you know, it's 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 that's really scary. <laughs> that's more scary to me than Fox yeah. News or even like Greg Abbott. It's just like you have these individual actors who have this reach, <laughs> and it's effective. Yeah. And it's funny you bring this up because I I wasn't sure if we were going to talk about you know who, um, but since we're on the topic i was Mm. thinking about it because yes you know uh the world lost a real one or you know finally rest in piss yeah yeah yes (laughs) rush Uh, rush limbaugh is finally dead yes thank god and and i was thinking about it and really like the entire right-wing ecosystem which is actually yeah it's kind of a bottom-up kind of phenomenon though everyone is ideologically locked in but yeah it doesn't come from the top the like power centers of the republican party because they're all like natsec ghouls who are focused on uh yeah. imperialism yeah, so they, they, yeah. they don't they don't give a shit about johnny dude ranch or whatever but <laughs> rush limbaugh was the person who figured out no i can i'm gonna talk to these people directly and activate them and make them pressure the republican party to the right to actually enact all the horrible shit that because republicans aren't you know, at the you know at the highest level, they're not really ideological, but no. they need they want the, you know to keep what is what is left of that settler base. They have to they they have to you know play to their uh, I mean mostly fears, 
But it is amazing, actually. Yeah, how much of that really does go back to him, and that's why like all the right, like all the right wing people were so weepy, is that he really like I don't want to say give him credit because it's really fucking evil. No, but, he's, he he, but, he but set it, all it, this shit up. Yeah, because before Rush, I mean, you had like the bourgeois media, yeah. you know, in the Cronkite era or whatever. Then you had the Christian right. You had you know Pat Robertson evangelicals that you know, popped up in the 80s, and they were getting mobilized, but there wasn't just a secular, conservative uh, media apparatus that, you know, and also the concept of basically newstainment, where, like, it is it is politics, kind of, and it, I mean, it's talking about the news, though, like, at least half of it is just purely made up, but the point is not to inform you of what's going on, the point is to get you to be hooked as a listener so you listen to it in your oh, yeah. during drive and, time and, and or speaking you of the in your in your rush hour traffic and and speaking of like the the christian right and the churches because both of you guys have mentioned this like one thing i think that's important to to factor in in terms of like this sort of uh kind of like we're all i think we're all kind of like getting to like this sort of uh uh, historical lineage of like the the the, the right wing media ecosystem, and w- especially when it comes to like the church, um, they got politically active to literally oppose desegregation efforts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they previously like the churches, churches like they weren't politically active. They were just focused on like religion and all that kind of stuff, and they were always in like pockets of white America uh, all throughout the country, and like you know maintaining that sort of like sort of like settler waspy identity in like white yeah. american suburbia yeah, yeah. and then okay. and then when desegregation happened and basically threatened that way of life they got more politically engaged to oppose those efforts and so yeah like this all literally links back to uh you white know. people's racism and then i think also in the context of rush limbaugh and like i mean yeah rest and piss of him but i think like especially when we're talking about like the sort of trump's presidency and what what he sort of how he fits in american history like i don't i don't think trump would have been able to become president without somebody like rush limbaugh to oh, activate. No. To, to, and that so when he died right when rush died i was like yeah good but i was like y'all aren't ready for alex jones right because like they're not even ready oh, it's just like oh yeah rush rush died so alex could consume what was left of his ghoulish soul and that's where it lives now it lives in yeah. austin texas and mm-hmm. it puts out three hour long fucking um shows um full of like white supremacy and and evilness just mask off white supremacy all day um i'm so, so alex jones is a particular a bugaboo of mine specifically because he lives in texas like and he like his shit what the shit he says ends up like being on the news later like a lot of people don't know alex has met like three people three people who have committed terrorist acts in the united states have like walked up to alex jones been like hey man i like your shit and then went off and did bad things and alex jones people just don't look at him right like he is that kind of bad news like you had to have like rush had to crawl before fucking alex could like fucking take a bunch of coke and fly into space um and I'm sorry, my girlfriend's laughing, but she doesn't. She knows how much I hate Alex Jones as like a just a creature of the abyss. Um, Because you forget, he was one of the first people Trump had a media interview with. Yeah, 
Mm-hmm. And also, like, uh, <laughs> someone someone on YouTube did, like, a history of Alex Jones, and he, um, I know, like, well, this also t- connects to Texas, because there's a whole, the, the Waco thing that happened yep. in Texas, and he, that's where really Alex Jones uh, got his start, with, mm-hmm. like, right, right-wing right conspiracies that, like, kind of was sort of, like, there's, like, the whole little period in the 90s where, like, there is fear of, like, far right-wing militias, and Alex Jones is sort of, like... He wasn't a militia member, but I, you can definitely he, tell that like, he, he was speaking he ta- to them. He talked to them. He spoke he t- their language. Exactly. He, yeah. he, spoke, he spoke their language, and he was among the first to take advantage of uh, the internet to spread. He, true. And here's the thing is, he's not even an actual racist. That's the thing. Is, I've met Alex Jones. Um, he's, mm. not, he's not the creature he pretends to be on TV. Um, that sounds about... That sounds right. I can, he's... Yeah. he's He's a he's a radio man. He's a radio man that found his niche, but like that niche pays and there are a lot of power players, you know, in the Republican Party, you know, that want to keep his voice going because as I said, and I I'll wrap up my Alex Jones. The reason I brought him up was is because Alex Jones was on his show talking about how his children, you know, cuz everyone's talking about Ted Cruz, right, and his his badness and that's bad, right? But Alex Jones was on his show talking about how his children and family were frozen in the cold, and it was the globalists and the Democrats and AOC and Obama all working together to make sure, you know, people didn't have power. And, you know, people were probably in the cold listening to that. While that shit was airing, he hopped on a fucking helicopter from from Austin to Dallas so he could sit in front of a fireplace and drink fucking scotch with Steven Crowder and complain about cancel culture. Yeah, and I oh I just want to specify <laughs> like when I was talking about Waco, uh, it was 1998 where Alex Jones organized a, a campaign to build a new branch Davidian, tr- tr- uh, Davidian oh church. Oh my god! Yeah, because it was a memorial to those who died during the 1993 fire that ended. It was the Waco siege of the original branch Davidian like complex near waco texas so he built he organized a campaign to basically rebuild like a new branch davidian church and then in 1995 when the oklahoma city bombing took place alex jones accused the federal government of causing it so like yeah like so he like this is and like he he speaking especially because i can now i could i think your uh anchor at alex jones i think is definitely like i can definitely feel it because he he based on what you're saying like he very much is steeped in like texas like definitely post 90s far right history and that's like a theme of his is like that yes it's really yeah it really is his niche is like activating that sort of like Far, and what was funny, I was listening to, I watched, sometimes I hate watch uh, Alex Jones, because some, some of his... No, no, I do it, too, it, well, yeah, he, He's a great yeah. entertainer. He, oh, yeah. It, and he, um, and he, there was, he did an interview with the Q Shaman. The, the Q fucking yeah, Q Shaman. Yeah, oh, I saw that. Oh, nice. Yeah, and he said Ooh. the Q Shaman is full of shit, and what really it seemed like is like, he's angry at Q people for stealing his shtick. Like he's oh angry. yeah, well they're like, fucking he's... the game up. They because they actually take it seriously. Right. And I and, and I and, I'm, yeah. Well, I want to say that I think it's interesting to that. Like it's important that we talk about you know this disinformation spheres because this is also like baked into you know the current just rolling terror 
emergency state that America is going to be in for the foreseeable future, which is that it's not just that all these unprecedented disasters are happening. It's that like holes, like one third of the country is basically, is basically like completely has a completely different understanding of why it's happening. Yes. And the reason these people terrify me, Peter, is because <laughs> Alex Jones is a day away all, almost from announcing that the way that they need to save they you know to save the republic is go out and shoot a black person. Like I oh, honestly yeah. believe that, and I, I, I see it too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he is like, yeah, he's exactly the kind of guy. I mean, I, I, I'm not going to draw Rwanda comparisons, but. It is that that he is working people up into the fever pitch to prime them to be able to go out and do some genocide, oh, which right. is what a lot of them yeah. do want to do. And, and there and, was an interview he did with like a I think a somebody who was I think kind of involved in the Capitol right, but he was saying like, oh no, he's been doing, oh, yeah, like he they were saying he, he there was an interview he was he was doing, and the guy was like. I forgot which group he was with. I I can't remember. Was it the Boogaloo boy that was all Aditya Piva who was all like, oh yeah, BLM and and the Boogaloo boys and everyone, we should all meet up under the Alex Jones flag and we can all get together and be friends. Okay, that was... I think, think, yeah, I think it was definitely like a Boogaloo, but he was saying that like, Alex Jones wasn't going, he's like, we follow, we listen to you. Oh, that guy. Yeah, we listen to you, like you're right, but like, you're not serious. Like, you're not actually taking it seriously, like, you know, to take up arms against, you know, like, the, quote-unquote, the government. But really, yeah, I think, like, really what the the, co- the, so- the code is that, like, you know, to get ready to be primed to kill a bunch of black people. But, like, right. so, well, yeah. yeah, he's been priming those or, people. Or up whoever. To, yeah. No, kill whoever he says. And here's, okay, okay, so quick, just, I'll quickly go over that. So I've been following this, this saga of Alex. So after the Capitol riots, he tried to, like, run a disinformation campaign that said it was all Antifa. But then that backfired because all the Boogaloo boys and people that were really about it were like, no, that was us. We were there. And so then he... He stole Valor. Right. So then he was like, oh, well, they're all CIA plants. And so he got on his show and he said, everyone that's a Q person and everyone that's a Boogaloo boy, they're all part of the CIA. They're all ops. You should listen to me. Then he realized that like a quarter of those people were his fucking audience. So he had to go and let a bunch of Boogaloo boys and Q people on and interview them. And so then after about a week or two, and after he realized no one was going to arrest him for the Capitol riots, he's now done gone done another 180 so now he's back to doing this well maybe q people i'm sorry you were all tricked by q that was a government op but everything that they were saying was true and then he's saying that the boogaloo boys no it turns out they weren't an op i didn't understand we are all just trying to get on the same cause against the globalists right and I just, I, I hate it because they're saying, okay, and everyone come to Texas and we'll form a whatever, whatever, secede, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, this is all, like, when the next fucking bad thing happens, right? Like, this will be when Alex Jones says, well, the black people of the, the Crips and MS-13 have teamed up to come and take your swimming pool and your yeah. golf cart. So you better, you know... Or, or heaven forbid, people actually do organize poor black people, and then it, and then it, you know, think I, I, the, I do feel like Alex Jones probably is an op himself, though. <laughs> he could oh. be. And, and oh, that, yeah. I'm, I I'm pretty so. convinced of that because you can't just run around talking. 
Because, and I mean, the thing that makes him dangerous is that he takes like real stuff the CIA's done, and that, but of course, not directed towards his audience, but towards communists, towards you know militant black liberation movements and then tries to be like no and then they're gonna do it to you like no they're doing it for you but at the same time like the way yeah just the amount of shit he gets to talk i mean look you everyone everyone's you know an asset at you get up high enough or or they're owned by them you know so oh yeah i mean at least in the republican sphere i'm pretty sure he's protected like because i mean i know he's uh, anyway that being said, all of the weather stuff, the reason I bring him up was because it's like his behavior with the helicopter isn't any different than um, Ted Cruz's behavior flying to Cancun, right? It's – and I bet there were a lot of rich Texas Republicans that, you know, never lost power and, you know, they had a they had a swell old time, right? They did, they did This didn't affect them. And I think, you know, I'm, I want to be on your show and this is the one thing I want – to get across to as many people as possible is that these shitty people, right? The Alex Joneses, the the um, the Ted Cruzes are not representative of most of the people here. Most of the people here are are part of the same class struggle that everyone else's people forget that you know a lot of blood has been spilled in Texas. By, from of worker blood has been spilled in Texas. The reason that there are no yeah. unions here is because because yeah. they just kill of... all the organizers. <laughs> yes, you know that we had the Texas mm. Rangers. Fucking, I was busted. just thinking of that. Yeah, they <laughs> who are who are actually a death squad. Yeah, yes, they are an actual death squad, and they weren't just shooting Mexicans; they were also shooting labor organizers, right? Mm-hmm. And so, like, when I try to tell people, you know, the fight. The like the this is as Peter says the last bastion of conservatism, and they have seen what has happened in Georgia, and they know that it's coming for them. So you know, the, the I'm so happy that I mean I wish AOC would you know not do bake sales and would you know do some more you know politician government stuff in terms of helping Texas, but you know what she's doing. By coming here and bringing leftist visibility here is important. I wish there's more of it. I wish, you know, I wish more leftist voices from the South can can start rising up and can be platformed by you coastal folks. Because, you know, it's not it's not a situation of a bunch of cowboys wanting to live the cowboy life. It's um, it's the same struggle that workers have been always been fighting. You've got poor workers who get lied to and you've got bosses that uh, own everything and try to hold a monopoly and um and this is that's essentially what this this winter um disaster was it's what katrina was let's be real because that also affected texas it's what the oil fucking pipeline spill was you know you know texas is emblematic of america's soul um, in terms of deregulation and um, bad land policy, and you know, you know, if we can fix Texas, we can fix the rest of the nation, and you know, that that's just kind of how I feel. A so, bit. so actually, that's a gr- we're at an hour or six. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's end but, on some slightly more uplifting notes. Yeah, because you, because uh, I know Razik, you had shared some stuff with us before recording, but like. Um, some uh, uh, organizations and also uh, somebody 
um, yes running for a social a, a black woman socialist um so yeah explain those projects especially like you know for our listeners for people who um are as, as incensed as we all are but like you know want to get plugged in to see like you know what we can do to support and all that yeah kind of stuff. so so fort worth um you know fort worth socialism is on the rise of jen sarda she is a, a good friend of mine um she is running for um, she's running for city council in District Two. Um, she's a socialist. She's a black woman. She um, let me see. Let me pull up uh, one of the organizations that she works for. She works for Re- Rebirth Equity, which is an organization of um, uh, BIPOC and LGBT uh, mostly women, and they um, do a lot of work for people, direct action work in the community. Um, so I like uh, if you can Rebirth Equity. Dot org, I, you know, shout out. I'm sure all this stuff will be in the show notes, but um, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, Rebirth Equity, uh, look out for Jen and Sardai. You can find her at um, Sardai for District Two dot com, um, and you can, if you look up Jen Sardai, S G J E N S A R D U Y, you can find her on Instagram and Twitter. Um, if you know, she's been doing a lot of. She's been doing direct action stuff during the. Um, during the blizzard and also she's running for city council. So if I, if there's one person I could point you to, to, you know, to support, donate to look at, you know, keep eyes on, definitely keep eyes on Jen. And then there's another project that's a special project to my heart, which is the Texan, Texas freedom colonies project. Um, the, uh, so there's this doctor, um, let me make sure I get her name right on the, on the podcast. Um, Let's see, Dr. Andrea Roberts, she basically has been, um, for the past several years, has been documenting all of the black uh, freedmen's colonies and freed towns, um, basically towns that were where black people, freed black slaves moved and started towns. Some of those towns are still around and still exist. One of them is um, called Sand Branch. It's in the middle of Dallas, um, and it was heavily affected um, by... Um, by uh, the winter snowstorm so if you ever want if you want to like read up on you know direct support you know black communities um um please uh support you know um the texas freedom colonies project um great so yeah yeah um awesome yeah i think yeah this is i think that's yeah. i think that's a good yeah let's just wrap it up uh we'll end it on that note uh something positive um, yeah and also and also like especially for people to uh get plugged into um good organizations and and folks doing good work on the ground but who could you know use more um amp- media amplification and um yeah because especially like you know with with the left media um you know a lot of it's like dunking on libs and how angry we are and we're all angry and we should be but um you know it's it's important to turn that anger into uh um uh, uh productive action so um, oh so yeah yeah definitely thank yeah thank you so much for sharing that just you know so people can know where to get uh plugged in and, and all that stuff for sure and one last shout out if you're on facebook i know there's some i know that's for lame people but if you're on facebook <laughs> check out fort worth futures fortworthfutures.com they are i'm at fort worth futures on facebook they are also always doing direct action in my community in fort worth directly um and yeah uh awesome. please support support the people of texas we we need your help we're still out of gas we're oh. still 
Yeah, we, uh, pe- some people still don't have power. Some people still don't have water. So. Oh my god. Uh, how? Wait. How are you holding up? Are you you doing? Oh, well? like as I, I'm good. I was basically, you know, living out of buckets for a week. But you know, Oof. like I said, we've mm. got good. You know, the black. The basically, I have a good black city councilman, and uh, he made sure that we've got some <laughs> infrastructure in our part of good. town. So mm-hmm. I didn't. Uh, I didn't lose any power. Well, I, I'm I'm good. To, I'm glad to hear that. And yeah, just you know, again, as somebody from California yeah. who's had to, you know, the especially the there's a image that went out on Twitter about like the past uh, six months, and like they had like you know the when California was like this dark blood red because of the wildfires, then it was next to Texas freezing, and so it's like yeah, so I definitely end, to end times. End times are here, but it, you know that's why solidarity is so important because solidarity forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah. the certainly as we can tell, certainly the government's not really going to do anything. And exactly. So yeah, it is. It is. You know, I think, and in some, I guess, dialectical sense, right? It'll be these kind of repeated disasters that will help sort of re de alienate people and build those social bonds back together mm-hmm. that can actually perhaps turn into you know a larger popular political struggle and i mean we're gonna have to because it's really the only choice that we have yeah but yeah thank you so much I'm, thank you i mean thank i mean you. i you know wish you were on on better circumstances because we've been trying to figure i've been trying to figure out how to get you on but uh, you'll definitely have to come back because there's a lot more to talk about. Yeah, yeah. We'll, I will come back for that Judas and the Black Messiah conversation. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. We yeah definitely. Let's yeah. We'll keep that in mind. But yeah, please take care, Razik. Man. Yes, thank you for having me on. It's just fucking yeah. It's just like I said. It's just looking at the images. It's just like it's really aggravating. It's it's just uh, <laughs> yeah. It's horrible. It's you know my heart goes out and you know i'm glad you're doing well and i'm I'm glad that you know you're able to come on and and and, t- and, t- and tell us about the situation and also like how people can get involved because yeah like peter said uh clearly the system's not going to work for us but if we build bonds of solidarity and networking and how to support one another like it really is that's the only way forward for us so anyway thank ashe, you so much ashe. yeah thank <laughs> Later. thank you thank you so much for zeke take care take it easy um, yeah, we'll do our sign out. Keep the faith. And stay dangerous. Peace, All right. y'all. Later. See ya.